coming up on Garden Talk. Two girls ago, I had severe like newt lockout. I couldn't figure what was going on. I was trying all these different things. It was showing all these different signs. So I was chasing my tail for what felt like ever. As you go, I think new things come up. And really, I find the only way I'm learning from them is, is to have it happen and, and to experience it yourself. And then you're like, okay, this is this is what's going on right now. This is what it's going to look like. And then, you know, in the future, once you see that sign or symptom again, you're like, oh my God, I've seen this before. I know what to do. There's going to be issues. So just chill, take your time read my ph and my medium was way off and uh obviously it's something i should have been doing more often or at least more frequent because it would have solved my issue right away when you do it yourself and master what you've got going on or or fix one of your issues it's so rewarding what's up everybody if you that don't know me my name is chris aka mr grow it and this is garden talk episode seven this episode's guest goes by the name Zerp84. He is an indoor gardener that has been growing plants for a little over three years now. In this episode, we talk about his style of growing and what he does to be successful in his garden. We also learn about some of the mistakes that he's done in the past, and he mentions several things that will help beginner gardeners. This information may be especially helpful for those of you who are brand new to gardening or who just have a few years under your belt. If you're watching this on YouTube, please click that thumbs up button, and if you're listening on one of the podcast platforms, please leave a rating and review. That being said, let's just get into it. All right, welcome, Zerp84. How are you doing? I am doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Nice. Thanks for coming on to the show. We've been talking for a little while now, huh? It's been over a year now since we've been kind of going back and forth through DMs and stuff. And Yeah, I think we've been, we've chatted through messages for probably about a year, but way back when I started and I was pretty new to this, uh, I was actually very surprised because you, uh, I asked some questions to you early on in the game for me and uh, you responded super quickly, which I wasn't expecting because uh, I mean, you're, you're, you're who you are in this space, right? And I was fresh and new and i wasn't expecting it to happen but i really appreciated it but uh, yeah you answered a lot of questions for me in my early stages of growing so nice yeah i'm glad to hear that that's cool um okay so uh for those that don't know who you are can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into growing yeah um i go by zerp 84 uh obviously on youtube and instagram uh but first and foremost i am a father of three little boys and a husband who still works a full-time career with the canadian military so uh, my, my time is consumed mostly by that and my children, but my spare time and my favorite hobby is to grow plants, obviously, which is why I'm on this, this show with you. Um, I got into growing roughly three years ago. Um, I obviously, when I was a kid and teenager uh, and a skateboarder, I, I did smoke a little bit, but I joined the military at an early age at 16, so obviously I couldn't smoke throughout my career uh, in the military. Uh, but recently in Canada, about two to three years ago, it was legalized. So uh, even in the forces, you're allowed to, to use or to smoke. Uh, so I got back into it. Um, I do have like multiple injuries just throughout my body from being in the military for so long. And also some mental health stuff going on too. And uh, once they legalized it, I hopped back into it because I, I knew the benefits that I could provide uh, just for injuries and for mental health. And personally, the actual growing experience itself is very therapeutic for me too, let alone the, the product at the end, which seems to help with my mental health issues even more. But uh, yeah, I hopped back into it. Uh, in Canada, you're allowed to grow four plants legally per household. Uh, I went through the whole process of applying to get a, a license through the AC, ACMPR process. And I obviously got a license to grow more than that just to help me with what I've got going on and, uh, and for my wife as well. And uh, so yeah, here we are today. I, I, I grow 
in a small tent in, in my garage right now. Since it, they legalized it, I, I mean, I, I sleep like a baby now and it, it's helped a lot of other things for me too. So I couldn't be happier that it's been legalized up here and that uh, we're able to grow it and consume it while in the forces still up here. So, yeah. So you also have a YouTube channel, right? That's how I kind of know about you is you launched a YouTube channel. Um, you know, you asked me for advice or DMs at some point and checked out your channel. You definitely have some good videos. Um, you know, you like to explain things a little bit in detail about your style of what you do. And you also have a little character on the side there, right? The macho man. Uh, Pot girl man. Pot girl man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just, I like to, I mean, that's fun too, right? Like, I like to make the videos. Obviously, I don't have a lot of followers or subscribers, but I mean, it's it's good to pass on knowledge that I'm learning from you, from other growers in the space that have been around for a while and just put it out there because wh- whoever watches it is looking for information and looking for tips. And if there's a way to make it easier for them, then uh, I mean, it's beneficial for everybody, right? So that's, that's, that's what I like to do. It's kind of fun. And my alter ego kind of got me going at the beginning, just uh I just thought it was funny, a little play on words and the and the character I use as my um, my profile pic on Instagram being Pacro, man. It's just, you know, it's a, it's funny. It's it's a throwback. So, yeah, lots of fun. That's funny. I just recently uh, talked with uh, Welcome to the Grow Tent. I'm not sure if you know who he is. He has uh, like a Ric Flair. He goes after woo personality in his videos and on his live stream and stuff. So it's, it's kind of funny. Maybe we need to link up a Pacro man with... Uh, Rick Flair, <laughs> get yeah. you guys in on the same video. <laughs> That'd be funny. Uh, okay, you mentioned that you're a small home grower at this point. Uh, you just have one tent. Uh, what do you? What would you consider like your goal is? Do you like go for yield? Do you grow a variety of different strains, or or, or what is your style or, or goals when growing? I think probably. I mean, everybody would like to to start a goal with the end goal of being a huge yield. Um, I mean, but for me. Uh, the goal is just to be self-sufficient, right? Like uh, to provide, I guess, medicine for myself um, without having to pay a ridiculous price from a government store to get it up here. So just remaining self-sufficient and not having to spend money on it. But also, like I said, the actual process of it and the habit of growing is therapeutic as well. So the, the goal is to just have a, hopefully a stress-free, like minimize the issues and, just have a, a from start to finish a good grow and, and provide myself with a couple months of product to get me through to the next grow. Probably save a bunch of money doing it that way, huh? Sure, yeah. They, it it costs quite a bit from the government stores. I mean, since they regulated it, it's I mean they can charge what they want to charge, right? And it's expensive to go to one of those stores and, and actually purchase from them. So it's definitely uh, ideal. Uh, every household can grow. So if, I mean, if if you're using or smoking, it, it it saves a lot of money if you want to grow it yourself. Gotcha. Um, so let's start with IPM, Integrated Pest Management. So is there anything that you do in order to prevent pests? Um, I haven't had too many issues with pests, but I do use the, the sticky paper. And I have come into a problem of mites at, at one point, which I was scrambling because I had nothing on hand to deal with it. And I simply just ordered a like an organic spray, obviously not to, to damage or introduce anything foreign to the to the plants either to try and get rid of the mites, which seemed to handle it pretty quick. Uh, I can't remember the name of it offhand. It was just I just quickly searched it uh, online and bought it up. Yeah, and it was just just the fact that it was organic and it's and it dealt with the pro- the issue I was having being mites and and it did the job. But uh, those are the only two things I've really done for pest control, and simply because I had to, right? I was. I, 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 yeah, I've, I've only experienced mites once and then just, uh, 
yeah, the, the flies get bad in the summer here. So put the sticky paper down and it, it gets rid of them as well. How far were the mites? Did you catch them like in the veg stage or were you in the flower stage? And you're talking about spider mites, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I was actually away with the military and my, my wife passed the information on to me. So it's a little more, it's harder for me to grow too, because whenever there's an issue, like I'm away, I was away a lot, uh, probably half of each month or close to half of each month I was away in my last job. But, uh, so a lot of the issues fell on her, which obviously I, you know, I love her and, and appreciate everything she does because she, she holds it down when I'm gone, but she recognized it. Uh, just the fact that she, she noticed a web in the upper part of one of the plants. And then when she looked a little closer, it was in multiple plants and obviously they have, they had gone th- like progressed pretty bad because they were moving to all the plants and the webs were getting big. So she, she let me know. Um, and I would say it was probably early on in flower when she noticed it. Um, yeah. And it, it obviously the spray and whatever they were doing to the plant, uh, stunted the grow quite a bit and the end yield obviously was affected, but she realized it. She passed the info on. I ordered the spray. She sprayed them. And I think after it took a little while, uh, she cut a lot of the, the dead veg off of it and uh, sprayed them a, a few times. And I think within a, a, probably a week to two weeks, she had it sorted out. But yeah, that, that time frame really, really hurt to grow. But I mean, it was still salvageable and still got some stuff out of it at the end. So That's good that you were able to salvage it. I know generally it's recommended not to spray in the flowering stage, um, but you were able to still uh, do it and be able to salvage it. So that's good to hear for sure. So you're in a, you said you were in a small grow tent. What size grow tent are you in and what light do you currently have running? Or I'm in a five by five right now. Five by five, okay. Five, by five and I've got a, a an SP three thousand and a TS three thousand, both by Mars uh, in there right now. Nice. They actually just sent me the sixty the SP sixty five hundred, which is very similar to the SP three thousand, but there are some differences. I'm not sure if they hit you up and talked to you about that one yet, because I know you're sponsored by them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I'm sponsored by them, um, but I like. Overall, I've been growing with their lights now for probably about a year, and I, I can't complain, man. It's, I mean, what they're giving me is is great products, and, and the outcome it has been uh, good as well. So no issues yet. So in your 5x5, five five, how many plants do you typically run, and what size grow pots do you typically use? Um, I kind of go back and forth between autos and photos. So 5x5, five five, if I was running photos, I'd probably I'd, I'd have probably four in there, four or five. Um, and for the photos, actually to, to, to start off for photos and autos, I germ in solo cups. Uh, if I had the space and the ability to put them in their permanent, uh, pots as autos, obviously I would, so that I would, I, I would have to cause less stress or less stress transplanting them, right. For autos because of the lifespan. But, uh, yeah, I start off in solos. Um, I go to three gallon for the photos and then I'll transplant again from three to either five or bigger, depending on what time of year. And if I'm, if I'm going to put any outside, but. For the tent, uh, I usually don't go bigger than five just to save space so you can move around there with them and, and give them the space they need as well. Um, and for autos from solo cups, I just put them in three gallons and then and that's where they where they stay for the rest of the grow. Uh, for, like I said, for photos, I'll probably put five in there for the five by five. And right now I have for autos, I have eight in there. So. Gotcha. Do you primarily use the plastic pots, fabric pots, air pots? I go... From solos, and I, I go, I have both actually, and it kind of depending on if I've just finished a grow and I'm going to new pots, just kind of availability, if I've cleaned them out well enough, if there's still medium left in them. But I use uh, fabric and plastic. Uh, right now, my grows are, uh, 
the current grow was all in plastic, but uh, I do prefer fabric. It was just the fact that I uh, I had obviously just uh, harvested a crop and still had a bunch of stuff left in the fabrics and, and wanted to get these plants back into pots. So I threw them into three-gallon plastics right away. Gotcha. And you said you also do outdoor growing too, huh? Yes. Yeah. Okay. How many plants do you typically run outdoors? So for outdoors, I only had the, the four last year, and I had those in uh, 10 gallons. Oh, nice, nice. So bigger pot size, bigger plant, so on and yeah. so forth. I had them in 10-gallon fabrics outside, and it, uh, they actually did really well. They got quite large. Uh, so, yeah. Are you in soil, cocoa coir? What's in your mix? I'm in soil, and currently I run a uh, Promix HP Mycorrhizae uh, with probably about 80% and then 20% of the medium I make up just of uh, it's grow four worm castings. Um, yeah, but prior to that, I was uh, I was in about probably 20% farm, 10% worm castings, and then uh, 70% uh, NutriPlus. Okay, nice, nice. Now, what do you use for nutrients? I've tried a, diff- a, a few different companies. Currently, I'm using General Hydroponics. Uh, with their um, Grow Bloom Micro, as well as their Cool Bloom for flower and um, and their CalMag as well. Uh, I also have some bud juice, like dry uh, or nitro, to throw in on top of the soil, uh, like the and and mix it in uh, if there's any nitro deficiencies. Um, yeah, and that's it right now. So your initial mix of the um, Pro Mix and then the compost. Uh, your particular mix, how long does that last you until you actually need to start feeding those nutrients in? What's all around you, almost everywhere you look, and makes your life better? Birds. Learn all about these beautiful creatures in this wonderful new podcast called Birds of a Feather Talk Together. Two experts guide two newbies on their journey to learn more. Mallard ducks, ivory-billed woodpeckers, Hawaiian honeycreepers, blue jays, cardinals, sandhill cranes, and more. Each week we discuss a different bird and walk away with a better understanding of the birds all around us. Oh, and we have a ton of fun doing it. Listen now. You're going to like learning about these birds. I guarantee it. I usually just uh, pH'd water. I use pH'd water for... I guess depending on autos and photos, but um, pH water for I'll say autos for probably the first three to four weeks, um, and then I start start adding the nutrients slowly, obviously. And, and I usually don't even give the recommended dose of nutrients. I usually give half of what they recommend. Um, I found obviously early on in growing, I was given what it recommended and having more issues than I than I seem to uh, run into now. But uh, I find just giving them half of the recommended doses has been working great for me right now. So. Uh, yeah, and then obviously adding the cool bloom or whatever whatever bud booster or flower booster you want to add at the end of your grow. I just start doing it in uh, probably the last month of flower. Yeah. So you you are using their uh, feeding chart. So you're going by their feeding chart, but you're doing a half dose instead. Now, are you doing it? Is it like an every other? Do you water and then feed the next time around, and then water and then feed the next time around, which is kind of a common practice. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. So I'll I'll water it out. Like get it obviously so that it's uh, the, the the whole pot, all the medium gets moist. Uh, just pH tap water for, is what I use, and then uh, every second feeding, I'll add nutrients to it. 
Does your tap water that you used, do you have to let it dechlorinate? I know every area is kind of different. Some areas have chlorine in it. Some have chloramine in it. Um, does your local water have that? And do you have, let it, like, have to let it sit out or anything? Or? I just, right out of the tap, I um, fill up my, uh, my container and add my nutrients and just pH it right there. What I usually, uh, usually out of the tap, after the nutrients are added, I'm sitting at about 7 for pH, and I just bring it down to like 5.8, 5.96 in that range. And uh, yeah, I've had no issues so far. I'm pretty new to this area. I just moved here about six months ago. So, so far, so good with the tap water. Gotcha. And so are you just pH adjusting your nutrients and then giving to your plant? Do you also monitor the pH of like the runoff or a slurry test or anything like that, or, or just going in? So yeah, I, it sounds terrible, but the only time I really pH runoff is if I'm actually have an issue that I that I see or an issue arises, and I'm like, oh my god, what's going on? And two grows ago, I had severe like newt, newt lockout. I couldn't figure what was going on. I was trying all these different things. It was showing all these different signs. So I was chasing my tail for what felt like ever. And then when I finally pH my runoff, I realized that my pH in my medium was way off. And uh, obviously, it's something I should have been doing more often or at least more frequent because it would have solved my issue right away and uh, probably salvaged more of that grow for me. But uh, I do every so often now check it, not necessarily when there's an issue, but uh, not as frequent, frequent as I should. And that's probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned in growing. Like, I read a lot of material, obviously. But uh, I don't have the ability to, to like read all this material and and process it and pull out all these different things. Like I'm I'm more of a trial by fire type of learner, and uh, I find like if if you've messed something up that that's been going on for a month or two, or you've ruined a grow or whatever this or that, it's I mean it's it it leaves a lasting impression, and you won't make that same mistake again, right? So it's uh, it's kind of how I've been rolling. Um, and the newt lockout was a major one because I had a beautiful grow going and it, and it just destroyed it. And it took me, I want to say weeks to figure out what was going on, but it was the pH and the medium. And had I tested the runoff early on, I, I would have been aware of that, but, uh, yeah, you live and you learn and I won't make the same mistake again. And if I have an issue now, it's one of the first things I check. So that makes sense. Um, so, so the CalMag, do you feed CalMag every time or do you do go along with every other and mix it in with the nutrients, the, the the base nutrients that you use? I used to just feed it uh, if I recognize an issue. Uh, but recently, in the last two grows, I've been doing it every second feeding, like you said. So we water in between, and then every time I actually give nutrients, I give it a little bit of CalMag as well. But uh, I don't give the same thing, not even near the recommended dose, not even half. I usually give like a quarter of what it's recommending, just so it's in there. Um but yeah, it's, I don't wait for deficiencies or wait to see anything, any signs of anything. I just, I give it a little bit with every, with every feeding. What brand, CalMag? I'm with General Hydroponics for that Oh, as that's well. right. Okay. Gotcha. Now, what about like PPM or EC values? Do you monitor those at all? So I, I know we were chatting earlier about it, but uh, I don't really monitor PPM anymore. And no specific reason other than I don't have a meter right now. Um, I was reading it and checking it frequently, but uh, my meter went down and I'm not doing it as of right now. Um, for EC, I n have never checked it or monitored it and, and obviously, and, and actually didn't even really know what it was until recent, recently when I did some research on it, just because you uh, you had touched on it with me uh, previously. 
Uh, so no, I don't monitor EC or PPM right now. Something I should do because I do run CO2 as well. You're mostly just kind of reading the plant, seeing how the plant looks. And I mean, you said you've got several years experience now, so you kind of know what to look for. And then you're kind of going by that in a sense. Yeah. So reading the plant and, um, and like, and reading the medium as well. Um, not as often as I said, like should, like I said, but, uh, yeah, I find it just through experience and, and I'm very early on here and still an amateur in my eyes because there's so much to learn and you can always improve. But, uh, yeah, just just looking at the plant, looking for for signs of different things is is kind of how I've been rolling, and it's been working so far for the last grow. So, as you go, I think new things come up, and really, I find the only way I'm learning from them is is to have it happen and, and to experience it yourself. And then you're like, okay, this is this is what's going on right now. This is what it's going to look like. And then you know, in the future, once you see that sign or symptom again, you're like, oh my god, I've seen this before. I know what to do. You know what I mean? Yep. So, yeah. Yep, you get that experience. Problems are treasures. <laughs> if you could go through each grow without an issue and never have to chase your tail, never have to fix anything, I mean, please tell me how to do it. But, uh, but I mean, the best, the best way to learn is by doing it and, and experiencing all the things these, these things can throw at you. I mean, and every different strain is, is going to show different signs of different things, right? So it's, uh, you, you, you kind of get used to knowing what you're looking for, what the leaves are telling you, what, I mean, if limp branches, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Cool. Okay. So that's nutrients, CalMag. Now, what about additives and microbial inoculants? You said you use the liquid cool bloom for an additive. Do you use anything else for an additive? And then do you use any microbes? I don't actually, you know, I, I guess I just had the, uh, the cool bloom. Um, I've been debating for, I guess, kind of a different topic, but along the same lines, I've been debating for a while now, switching to, to an organic grow and obviously with the dry amendments, uh, I still haven't pulled the trigger on it because uh, I, I watch a lot of growers and I and I envy them and I want to do it, but uh, I know once you get it dialed in, it can be quite easy. But getting it dialed in is is one thing, and the fact that I go away all the time and a, a lot of the problems fall into my wife's hands and she's busy. Um, I still haven't switched, but I want to make the switch. Uh, but to get back on topic, uh, I don't know uh, microbe. Yeah, I'm not I'm not using them at, at this point. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Going organics, you know, some of the best advice I've ever got was plan ahead. You kind of need to plan ahead. So, I mean, your particular situation when you're, you know, always traveling or whatever, it might be difficult to kind of go that route, but you can certainly get away with it. Um, takes a lot of research. Uh, I don't know if you were planning on going the, um, the blend, like I know Gaia green is big up in your area. Uh, Gaia Green has a blend, a couple blends that you can mix in together and then uh, potentially added some microbes on top of that or, or so there's different amendments you can use. But yeah, I mean, planning ahead is, is a big piece of it because, um, you know, those organic amendments need time to break down, right? And if you start to see deficiencies, well, it's not like you can just top dress in yeah. uh, and expect uh, a, f- a quick recovery time like you can with, with bottled nutrients, with the plant available nutrients. Um, so it can be tricky, but... Yeah, when you're ready, man, push push yourself to to go that organic route. I believe in you. I, I think mean, you can do it. <laughs> I, I mean, what you see and read when when things are going well organically, they're going well, right? It's I mean, just you've got your amendments in there, and you're adding pH water for however many weeks until you need to re up on your amendments. But when things start going sour, they're really sour, and it takes a little bit to get it back on track. So it's uh yeah, if I'm if I'm home for an extended period of time, which this this new position I'm in, I, I may be, I, I may make the switch and give it a try. 
Now, you talked mentioned a little bit about CO2. You do use CO2. So what exactly, um, what method do you use of, of CO2? So I simply use the, uh, the P&B CO2 enhancer. Uh, I haven't explored the actual bottle, like buying or filling your own CO2 bottles and having it disperse on a meter or, or the actual exhale bags. I, I use the TO, TNB CO2 enhancer and simply because I'm sponsored by them. So they send me bottles and, uh, and I use it and it's, and the ease of it, right? It's, it's super simple. So, uh, it's easy. And for me, it's, it's no cost. So I'm using it. And I honestly, I tell everybody that asked me about it, uh, because in my first few grows, I wasn't introducing CO2 at all. Uh, but once I started using it, I noticed changes in my grows personally. So I, I, I suggest it to everybody and not, not, not because I'm sponsored, but because of the benefits you get at. Do you hang it above the plants or where do you put it? Yeah, I have it hanging almost at the level uh, of my lights. Uh, just so when it disperses, it obviously drops down into the canopy of the plants. Um, but I, I mean, without a, an actual sealed grow environment too i don't know i and, and the zippers and, and vents and stuff in, in your tents I, I don't know how much of it's actually escaping because i don't have a epm reader for for the co2 as well right so i mean it, there's, it's obviously providing benefits could it probably provide more benefits yes if i had a, a better environment or was tracking the ppms in there but it's still providing enough that i notice changes in my growth gotcha i use the same tmb naturals canisters as well they sent me a huge box uh, a while back actually uh, it was actually pretty cool that they sent that over to me, but I've been trying, I've been using them just cause I, you know, I have them and, uh, I know there's cheaper methods of CO2, uh, home remedy methods that you can, can do for, for much cheaper than that. The exhale bags are arguably, uh, a cheaper method. Um, I have hung it above my plants as well as put it like on the floor of the grow tent, like around the, um, around the oscillating fan. So uh, that's another recommendation by TMB Naturals. You can do it either way. So I've done both ways. I do have a CO2 monitor, uh, and I, I have in the past um, monitored the PPM, and I also do exhaust once in a while. Um, so it's not a sealed environment, um, which, like you had mentioned, isn't really uh, entirely effective, right? It's much better to be in a sealed environment, sealed room. But anyways, uh, the PPM levels I've monitored, just kind of checking on my tent randomly, has really gotten up to 1,000, 1,200. So it's actually, you know, it's shown to, to work. So, and that's with exhausting randomly as the heat kind of goes up. I have the AC infinity fan. So once it reaches like 82, I think I'd have it set at 82 Fahrenheit, it'll exhaust that out and then it'll turn off. So it's coming on intermittently. And so the CO2 is kind of being sucked out intermittently. Um, but yeah, it does work. It does work. So I've had good success with them as well. When I did have the, when I was checking PPMs and I was in a four by four tent, I was, I was sitting somewhere around a thousand as well. And, and again, with intermittent exhausting, cause the same thing, I have an, an AC infinity that it comes on when it goes over 27. So Celsius that is. Okay. So temperature and humidity, what do you typically like to run for temperature? What do you typically like to run for humidity? I guess, depending on the stage that they're in, um, for, Obviously, seedlings, I, I, I usually keep it up between 65-70% humidity. Uh, and then in seedlings, I, I don't have a way to track the heat other than they're sitting on a heat mat in a, in a dome um, until they get put into the tent. But until they get put into the tent, they're sitting between 65-70% humidity. And then when they're large enough to go into the tent, obviously, the dome comes off and they go in. And I like it to stay around 25 degrees Celsius. Um, and once they're in the tent, usually... 
between 50-55% humidity, um, which is all tracked. And uh, right, it fluctuates right now. My tent, because I'm in Canada, it is cold outside, and my tent is in the garage. Obviously, the temperature fluctuates with whatever is doing outside because they're sitting on concrete, not directly on concrete. I have obviously have uh, them elevated in the tent, but uh, so it'll go. It'll go between 22 to 28. I have heaters in there as well as uh, humidifiers, and uh, yeah, so it'll it'll go up and down as the exhausts uh, and the heaters kick in and out. But I, I, ideally, I'd like it to sit around 25. Uh, but like I said, it moves probably between 22, 23, all the way up to 28. Which sometimes is beneficial too, right? If you're running CO2, you can run higher temperatures as well. So it's, uh, I mean, it works both ways. I would like it to stay steady, but it's, I mean, it doesn't stay steady in its natural environment either. So maybe it's mimicking its natural environment. It goes up and down as, as the weather does. So Are you pretty automated as far as controlling your temp and humidity, it sounds like. Um, now, do you have like a, a monitor for VPD? Do you chase after a VPD or anything like that or just kind of? I'm currently just, uh, I just have uh, one of Inkbird's controllers. Uh, just for heat and humidity. And then, yeah, like I said, I have the humidifier, uh, obviously the AC Infinity hooked up to it, as well as uh, a heater in the tent because of how cold it gets at night here. And they, they just kick on and off uh, with the parameters that I've set in them, and they seem to maintain and hold it pretty well where I want it to be. Uh, I was telling you earlier that like there's a lot of storms where I'm at because I am on a mountain here, so the, the power does go off, I guess, Pretty frequently, maybe once every couple of weeks or once a month or something like that, just from the wind. So I find myself chasing my tail or or uh, moving plants in and out of environments to keep them warm through the night or whatever. But that's the great thing about obviously monitoring them as well and having the the apps on your phone is right away if there's an issue and you're not home, you know what's you know what's going on and you need to you need to deal with it. So yeah. Absolutely. It's super, super helpful. I, I missed the part. I'm not sure if you said what you usually run for in flowering, what you run for humidity. I mean, there's always a chance of like bud rot happening, especially during the flowering stage. If your humidity is too high and you have that stagnant air and stuff like that, do you run a, a lower humidity in flowering? I'm not sure if you said that or not. Flower, I, I like to stay around and uh, about 50%. Uh, but I've, I've got multiple circulating fans in there as well like one one pot level uh blowing air like uh, oscillating fan blowing air across the top of the pots and then others that are hitting the canopy as well and i i'm in there even though i have all these things tracking it monitoring it i'm i, I have a habit like i'm obsessed with going in the tent which isn't ideal either if you're running co2 but i'm always in and out of the tent checking on them um and yeah i, I look for moisture on the sides of the tents i look for moisture on the on the anything right and if and if i find it then obviously i'm opening things up or or cooling things down or venting it out or but yeah 50 percent is where i like to be during flower uh, and it seems to be working so far nice key point that you just mentioned is you have multiple oscillating fans right so i uh, i actually had one oscillating fan in the tent and, and this is on my channel um and uh, it's a seed to harvest grow series that i did is uh i actually ended up getting bud rot because one of my fans died overnight. If there's a lack of airflow, it's definitely going to to grow, to spread, right? Yeah. Um, so it's so key. What you had mentioned is, is multiple sources of air circulation with the uh, oscillating fans. So I'm glad you mentioned that one. Especially if you just fed them, right? If you just fed them and your medium is wet throughout the plant, and then all of a sudden you lose a fan or say the power, anything, power goes out, a fan goes down, craps out on you, and then they're just sitting there with no air circulation, you'll go in there and your tent's soaked. Like hours later, I mean, it's something that obviously I I suggest having multiple fans. The, I guess the 
the uh, the counter to that is with the with the multiple fans in there is that the medium dries out so quick. Uh, so medium and, and with the heater in the in the tent as well up here. So I've got a heater going, multiple fans. So I find my medium is dry with. Well, I mean, in the stage I'm in right now, which is late flower with my autos, and they're they're eating everything up to give them anyways. Um, with the fans moving around and the heater, uh, my medium's dry in two three days. For sure, I struggle the same way. I have a live, live in a very dry climate, uh, and it, it definitely um, can struggle with that. Have you tried doing any mulch layers at all to kind of help with the retention, uh, water retention in the medium? I haven't. Uh, I've kind of been exploring. Same thing. I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but been exploring the, the of like a top dressing it with clover or something like that, just to, as well to try and keep dampness in it. But uh, that helps. Haven't done it yet, but uh, I think I'm going to in the next roll. Nice. Yeah, I think you'll like it. Ever since I switched to clover, uh, and even I use barley straws, a mulch layer, it, help, it has helped me tremendously as far as making sure that medium doesn't dry out uh, quickly. Um, cool. Uh, okay, so what do you usually do for plant training? For plant training, I I don't really go too deep into plant training. I guess I, I when I'm running photos, obviously I top, trying to get like as wide a canopy as I possibly can. Um and, and, and obviously, and, and, and I do LSD and tie, tie branches down to, to try and create as many top sites or even canopy with, with multiple top sites as I can. And then for my autos, same thing, just LST, just tying them down, trying to get it to grow, um, uh, equally throughout and as many top site colas as, as, as I can get. Right. But, uh, I, I don't go too crazy. Uh, for the most part, I, I tend to let them do what they're going to do or even somewhat be the structure they're going to be. And if I top it a few times to create some more uh, bud sites, then so be it. But, uh, yeah, I generally let them go and, and, yeah, top them a few times and LSD. That's, that's it. Got it. So you are trying to maintain that even canopy. Have you ever used a trellis netting and done, like, the scrog technique or anything like that? Or I have used uh, trellis netting in the past, yeah. Um I don't currently have one now because uh, my trellis net, I had it cut down to my four by four, so it won't, wouldn't stretch out to my five by five. But uh, and right now it's just autos, so I, I didn't need to to use it. But uh, I'm, I'll get back into it. My next one, I'm going to be moving to uh, photos again, and hopefully, uh, hopefully have five or six of them in the eight by four that I should be receiving soon. And uh, and my goal in that one is to get the most even widespread canopies as I can to try and fill up that tent with, with five, maybe five or six plants in an eight by four. So we'll see what we can do and see if we can fill it up and get as many top sites as possible. So that's, that is my goal for the next grow is to try and master uh, the canopy. Nice. Are you going to be recording footage and putting it onto your channel? For sure. Yeah. Nice. Cool. I'll definitely link Zerp84's channel down in the description section below. So you guys can check him out. Got a few more questions for you before we end this. So um, I have a lot of beginners that are listening to this podcast uh, that are subscribers to my channel. And I like to ask all the guests, you know, what advice do you have for somebody who's just starting growing for the first time? Just chill and relax. You know, like there's, there's so many tidbits of information all over the place or what you should do or how you can do this or how you can do that. If you've got the main or the key things taken care of being like medium pH levels, uh, humidity and temperature. I mean, no grow is going to go smooth for you. I, I, I don't think so. There's like, there's going to be issues with each grow. I, I would get, I, I would say, um, I mean, you can get through a grow with minimal issues or you can be like, wow, that was a good grow. There was not too much happened there, but 
there's going to be issues. So just chill, take your time, uh, read, read material. That's going to, that's going to provide you with the information you need to, to solve the problems that you run into and just be prepared. Yeah. Cause things are going to happen. You're going to have to react. And, uh, there's lots of people out there in this space to ask questions. That's what's so good about this space is everybody is here for the same reason. And, uh, don't be scared to reach out, ask questions because people will get back to you. And most people in this space have a, a, a good grasp of what they're doing and will provide you with the information you need to get through your growth. I think that's really good advice. Really good advice. Cool. Um, so you already mentioned you have a YouTube channel, right? Um, you also on Instagram as well. Are there any other platforms that you're on that, that the listeners can, can find you on? No, I'm just yeah. currently YouTube and Instagram. Um, very small following on YouTube. Um, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't have the ability to pump out videos like a lot of the people in the space do just, just because of work and my, and my family life. But, uh, yeah, YouTube, Instagram, I have, a. A little bit of a better following on Instagram and post a lot more pictures simply because you can snap pictures pretty easily and just throw them online, right? But uh, yeah, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, I am sponsored by Mars and TNB, which isn't a hard thing to do. So if you're new to the space and you're putting good content out there, like uh, there's people around watching what you're doing. So get it out there. Nice. I'll link your Instagram down in the description section below. Okay. So what do you have upcoming? You mentioned you're, you're going upgrading a little bit to a four by eight, right? So you're going to need a couple more lights. What, what do you got upcoming? Uh, yeah, I'm hopefully having a tent show up here in the next couple of weeks from Mars. Uh, it's an eight by four. Um, I don't know light wise what I'm going to throw in there yet. I'm going to get it set up and kind of see how things play out or the, like how they lay out in there with the, with that structure, with the two lights that I currently have running. Um, yeah, and, and I'll be moving to photos this time with a couple different, uh, I haven't quite selected what genetics I'm going to run yet. There's a few in my mind. I have, I have too many seeds. I, I have a habit of buying seeds. So, um, still haven't really picked what I want to do. I'm going to probably do three or four different screens. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's coming and, uh, all photos. And like I said, my main goal is to work on the canopy and try and maximize, uh, the bud sites I get out of these five or six plants that I, that I choose to grow. Um, and I'll, I'll be documenting that one as well. So yeah, hopefully you guys can check that out. Sounds exciting. I will definitely be tuned into that. Any final words, anything before we end this? I really appreciate you having me on here, man. Uh, when you reached out to me, I was, I was surprised because I, I've looked up to you and, and like you said, DM'd you for advice in the past. So I appreciate you having me on here. Um, for people growing or new to the space, just enjoy it. Like this is, it's fun. I find the, the process of growing itself so therapeutic. It's uh, enjoy it all. Uh, even the mistakes, the mistakes and the issues are better um, teaching points than, than probably what you're going to find out of a book because you're, you're learning from somebody else's experience. When you do it yourself and master what you've got going on or, or fix one of your issues, it, it's so rewarding. So, uh, and you'll ne- probably never make the same mistake again. So, just chill, relax, and have fun with it. It's a great way to end it. Zerp, thank you so much for coming on to my channel. And uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. Awesome. Thanks for having me, buddy. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Garden Talk. I hope you enjoyed it and gained some value from it. Please leave a rating and review if you haven't done so already. It helps the podcast ranking, which in result will help new listeners find the podcast. So thank you for taking the time to do that. And uh, we'll leave it at that. Until next time. Peace.